Praise God. I was um, telling somebody earlier that uh, as I was going around and greeting everybody, Merry Christmas. Um, and you're right, Pastor Charles. Filipinos were always late for something, right? But it's not Christmas. <laughs> we're early when it comes to Christmas. Everything else, you can count on us being late. <laughs> okay, if we can all please turn your Bibles or go to your Bible app and go to John chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Ch children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, and the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you once again for bringing all of us here to sing praises to you, to gather and to learn more about you, your will, your ways, through the use of your word, please teach us by your Holy Spirit. Give us the wisdom that we need. Give us the clarity of your message. Give us the full understanding of whatever it is you are telling us. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing hinder us from hearing your voice. Take control of me, Lord God. I am merely your messenger. Guide and bless my thoughts. Guide and bless my preparations. But let it be you and you alone to speak and be heard by your people tonight. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. There you said Please turn. I entitled our message tonight, The Real Meaning of Christmas. Christmas Series 2019. So I believe and think... That if a person is to miss the true and real meaning of Christmas, which is in John chapter 1, verse 14, if you look at that again, it says there, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you miss that, you miss the real meaning of Christmas, you miss the real meaning of Christianity. 
It's like being in your Christmas dinner and then you're enjoying all the food, enjoying everything else, and then somebody said, where's the turkey? Right? That would be Alonzo in our family. Where's the turkey? You know, it's like, where's the main event? Where's the main event of the dish? It's the same thing with Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas without Christ, you are completely missing the whole thing. You know, if we had a recorder here in front while you guys were singing Christmas carols, you should have seen your faces. You were all probably reminiscing your times in the Philippines for those of you who are doing your caroling and getting a little bit of money. Right? You're, you're, rep, you're, you're having that good feeling, the, the, the family reunion during this time, the time off, right? For some of you, you're probably still depressed because you're here and you're not in the Philippines because you're thinking, man, I should have been in the Philippines for Christmas, right? But Christmas carols, those songs give us those good feelings. But, you know, we sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves short so quick. Because you can get easy, you can easily get the feeling of the sentiment, the sentimental feeling of Christmas in your Christmas parties at work, or the Christmas parties that we have here. Even on a Christmas service, you can probably say, "Oh, you know, that completed my experience. I now I have the Christmas spirit." I just saw somebody's uh, Instagram post. Her husband finally put the Christmas decorations, and she goes, "I'm finally feeling the Christmas spirit." We, we sell ourselves short when we make Christmas about everything else and then Christ is not there. We make it about Christmas ugly sweater, Christmas pajama parties, Christmas exchange gifts, everything else except Christ. The majority of people in the world will miss the next Christmas. You're going to ask, how can that be? How can anyone miss Christmas given the amount of advertising that's and the publicity that's all around us that this holiday receives each year? How can somebody miss it? Because although many celebrate Christmas every year, most don't know what it's about. In spite of all the media promotion of Christmas, the majority of people will miss it because it has become so obscured. Make it about Santa Claus, reindeers, and all that stuff. You know, in the Philippines, we have our own reindeer. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm blowing the joke. His name is Olops. Did you guys hear about Olops? <laughs> Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer have a little shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, sing it. Here he comes. Olops the other reindeer. <laughs> That's the Filipino reindeer, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> guys, you can share that in your school. It's not copyrighted. <laughs> Here's a brief history of Christmas. Most scholars doubt that December 25th is the true date of Christmas birth, of Christ's birth. There is no biblical support for it, and some are against it. This date was decided upon by the church in Rome in the 4th century. They had a specific reason for doing so. Many of the earth's earliest inhabitants were sun worshippers because they depended on the sun's yearly course in the heavens. Most people held feasts at the time of the winter solstice, mid-December, a time when the days were shortest. 
They built bonfires to give the sun God strength and bring him back to life again. When it became apparent that the days were growing longer, were growing longer, they were greatly rejoicing. The fathers of the church in Rome decided to celebrate Christ's birth on the winter solstice. It was their attempt to Christianize the popular pagan celebrations. But they failed to make the people conform. Instead, the heathen festivities continued, and we are left with a bizarre marriage of pagan and Christian elements that characterizes our modern celebration of Christmas. The following examples will give you some idea on how much pagan customs make up what we know as Christmas. To the Romans, the month of December marked the festi festival of Saturnalia, December 17, that's between December 17 to 24th. One of their most common customs during the festival was giving gifts to one another. As far as we know, that, that is where the idea of exchanging presents came from. The evergreen wreath also derives from the Saturnalia festival, during which homes were decorated with evergreen bows. And then the, the droids of England gathered sacred mistletoe to, for their ceremonies and decorated their homes with it. It is believed that the first Christmas tree was instituted by Boniface, or Bonif Boniface, <laughs> as an English missionary to Germany in the 8th century. He supposedly uh, replaced sacrifices to the, to the god Odin's sacred oak with a fir tree adorned in tribute to Christ. Certain accounts claim that Martin Luther introduced the Christmas tree lighted with candles. Now, Santa Claus is a contradiction or is a contraction of St. Nicholas, a bishop in Asia Minor during the 4th century, known for his extraordinary generosity. He was later associated with giving presents at the end of the year. St. Nicholas was adap adap adopted by the Netherlands as the patron saint of children. On St. Nicholas Eve, the children would leave their shoes filled with hay for the saint's white horse. Now, no wonder so many people miss Christmas. The simplicity of the birth of Christ is drowned in the sea of traditions, many being pagan in origin. Even worse than that, when Christ was born in Bethlehem, most people of that day missed it. In the following gospel accounts, we will see six ways people missed Christmas. We will only see one tonight and learn how to avoid making the same mistake ourselves. So we will see one tonight and in the following weeks, we will see the other ones. So let's start with this. Luke. Can we go to Luke? No, Luke. <laughs> there. The first point. Is no room for him. In Luke 2 7, and she brought forth, talk about Mary, her first her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now the first person who missed Christmas was the innkeeper. Did you miss that? The innkeeper, he was unable to take in Mary and Joseph because he had no room for them. Apparently, he was indifferent to their plight. Imagine there's a woman coming to your door and say, I just gave, I'm, I'm going to give birth. I'm pregnant. 
can you please give us a room? And he said, no, we have no room. Now to apply to us, folks, do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for Jesus in your time, in your week? Is this your only time for Jesus? And is an hour too long for Jesus? Is this too much? Is one week, one hour for Jesus? I'm, I'm, we should be leave, living for Him 24-7. Please don't take it as, oh, Pastor Joe just wants us to go to church. No, I'm talking about one, this one specific day. Do you have room for Him? Do you have room for Him? Do you have room for Him in this Christmas season? Or do you just want to enjoy the sentimental everything about Christmas? I get it. I dig it too. I love Christmas trees. You know, Jamie put up one Christmas tree, so I had to put up my Christmas tree. You know, and we bought a new Christmas tree and it's bigger than me. And I'm lazy. I'm like, man, it's another thing for me to do. But, you know, I like it. But if we miss the real meaning for Christmas, we miss the complete, the entire thing. So are you like the innkeeper? Well, you just don't have room for him. No, there's no account if he was lying or not. But, you know, mid Middle Eastern people are very hospitable. They're very kind and caring. They are not barbaric. They're not the kind of people who would leave a woman alone to have her baby. But in this case, they did. Where were the midwives? You think the innkeeper would have known someone who would have helped them? Oh, you're pregnant, you're about to have your baby. You know what? I don't have any room. But maybe you can stay with me while you're having your baby. Let me call the midwife. Isn't that the right thing to do? But no, he was all about business. It's all about making money. No vacancy was a sign out there. Mary should have learned, you know, the songs like, Mary, Mary, did you know? Mary should have read that, right? No vacancy. There's no vacancy. But they took, they, I mean, if you're desperate, Right? And you're in a desperate situation. You're going to knock and still ask, can you help me? She didn't get that. The innkeeper, the innkeeper didn't give that. Now here's a comment, uh, commentary by uh, G. Campbell Morgan. And it reads, and I quote, Think of the pathos of it. She brought forth, she wrapped him in swaddling claw, clothes. It is very beautiful. But oh, the pity of it, the tragedy of it, the loneliness of it, that in the hour of all hours when womanhood should be surrounded by the tenderest care, she was alone. The method of the writer is very distinct. She was with her own hands, wrapped the baby around with those swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger. There was no one to do it for her again. I say the pity of it. And yet the glory of it to the heart of Mary. We don't know anything about the innkeeper because the Bible doesn't say anything about him. Some commentators speculate that Jesus was born in a stable. Some think he was born in a cave. And others believe he was born in an open courtyard at the inn. One thing we do know, whatever hospitality Mary and Joseph hoped to find, they found none. They were turned away. Now to us, 
Now to us, are we turning Jesus away because we're too busy with everything else in this world? Are we too busy with our concerns, our needs? Are we too caught up with the Christmas parties and we're forgetting Christ is the meaning why we're having this party? Did we forget the turkey in the oven? Or we're enjoying the whole spread? Folks, this Christmas time, we're going to be talking about these things that we can easily miss. Last year, we talked about what happened in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark that's what, and Luke. That's what they talked about, the details of what happened. In John, he talks about why it happened. What's the purpose? And that's what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be talking about the people or the things that missed Christmas. My prayer as a church here, as a church, all of us, is that this is the one thing that we are good with. That we know that Christmas is not about gifts, although that's good. It's not so much about the Christmas trees. It's about Christ. And I hope that it's just not the right thing to say. It's just not the Christian thing to say. This is the right answer the pastor's asking as he's waiting for. So let me say, Christmas is about Jesus. But your life is really not about Him. People miss Christ at Christmas time because He is crowded out by a world that dictates what they should think, what they should do, and what they should buy. Like the innkeeper, people today are preoccupied. The innkeeper didn't know anything about the baby Mary, about the baby that Mary gave birth to. And neither do they. They don't know who Christ is, and they don't know why he came. You all have read it? If not, go read it. A lot of people, Jesus was born. The God of the universe in the flesh was born right in their midst, but they were so caught up with everything else about their life that they could care less what happened. They missed the signs. Remember that, that one message that we talked about, the sign? Some people were waiting for signs. People far away from them. When they saw the star, they followed it. Some people, they're right next to them, they missed it. Just like us American Christians. Us American Christians, we have the, the freedom. We have the, the freedom to do Bible studies without fearing for our lives. We have the freedom to come to church without fearing for our lives, to get our head cuts, cut off. But we take it for granted. We take it for granted. If you YouTube Chinese people getting their Bibles, YouTube it, put it in there, type it in, you see them crying and hugging and kissing their Bibles. Because it's their first and only copy. Because they know the truth behind that Bible. But us Christians here in America, what do we do with our Bibles? Oh, they're everywhere at the house collecting dust. They're everywhere where I need it to be protected, Pastor, so I'm good. It's in my car, it's in my bed, it's in my kid's car, it's in my kid's bed. It's on top of the TV, so we watch holy things. <laughs> Let's not be like the innkeeper. We can easily miss Christ, folks. I know Christmas sales are coming up again. 
right? Thanksgiving just got done, and it's all about buying this. And, you know, you got to have to learn to, to fight and, you know, no, no jujitsu before you go to Walmart on Thanksgiving Day because people are just grabbing you. You're going to have to learn how to fight on your back. Let us not be like the innkeeper who missed Christ during Christmas time. They're ignorantly preoccupied with the mundane and the meaningless. How sad it is that so many people live their lives in pursuit of such mundane and meaningless things. Only to wake up one day in eternity without God. John 1.14 again. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The, er the early Greek philosophers lived during the same time, same time period as a number of the Old Testament prophets. The Greek philosophers of the time developed a concept called logos or logos. It is where we get the English word logic. If I can please have everybody's attention. In Greek, the word logos literally means the word. But it has a secondary meaning. It is the reason for life. The Greeks believe when one finds his logos, his reason for life, he would become complete and whole. He would then be able to reach his full potential as a person. The problem is that the Greeks could never agree on what comprised the Logos. They could never construct a unified belief on the reason of life. Rather than being, quote-unquote, the word, Logos beca became nothing more than just another word. This is why Tim, Tim Keller says, that the Apostle John, in his opening words in John 1, in the Gospel, uh, drops a bombshell to the Word. Oh, I don't have the quote. Okay, my bad. Sorry, here's the quote. Let me just read it to you. Quote, I quote, In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God, and the Logos was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through Him. And apart from him, nothing came into being. That has come into being. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Right? So the meaning of life, the real meaning of life is Jesus. Now the real meaning of life is Jesus. Look at Philippians 2, 6, 7. Though he was in the form of God, speaking about Jesus, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's Jesus. Christmas is the first indictment to humanity. Had we not needed a Savior, God would have never had sent His Son. 
God saw our helpless state and yet refused to be passive about it. Why? Because He loved us so much. You know, if you love someone, you will hurt with them. Right? For the parents here. I was just sharing it to Brother Chris earlier. You can never be happier than your saddest kid. And I'm pretty sure all my, 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 my brothers and my sisters here have children. If our children are not happy, we can't fight it in us to be happy. Because we love them so much. So if us sinners, imperfect people, can feel that way, can act that way, what more? The perfect God. That is why when He saw our helpless state, He knew it was going to happen. It's not like He reacted like, oh my gosh, Adam fell. No, He knew it. He knew it was going to happen. But He provided the way. He provided a way for us to be right with Him. That's how much we love. He loves us. You know, there's an account in, in New York, in, in Kew Gardens, it's, it's what it's called. In 1964, Pastor Charles, I'm not sure if you know about this. There's a lot that happened in 1964 and now. There was, a, there was a girl, there was a lady that was getting stabbed outside the apartments. Okay? And she started yelling, she started yelling, asking for help. Help me, help me, he's stabbing me, he's stabbing me. And the people that live around there turned on the lights and looked out the window. For that second, the guy that was stabbing the girl ran away, thinking that the people would come down. But the guy, the perpetrator, waited for five minutes. Nobody came down to help the girl. So he went back and finished the job. Ended up killing her. Because, you know, if you're going to help, if you're going to help someone, you put yourself on the line. Right? You put yourself on the line. You, it's just the way of it. it, it it's not help if it's com comfortable. Every time you help someone, the real definition for me, as I understand it, it's I'm really helping someone when it becomes uncomfortable. If it's too easy for me, then that's just it's nothing. No scratch on my nose. It's just like if I'm standing in front of a, a shorter guy, watching the parade and the, and the shorter guy tells me, hey man, can I stand in front of you so I can watch the parade? There's nothing. I'll just move back. No difference to me because I can see it. That's not me helping the little guy. Right? But if the guy tells me, dude, can you carry me? Put me on top of your shoulder. Right? So I can see the parade and I'll probably say no, especially if, I don't, if he's a stranger. <laughs> But that's then that's helping. Jesus, when he came, when he was born here, it was planned. It was to help us, to rescue us from the state, our helpless state, to die on the cross for your sins and mine. That's the truth. That is what, what Christmas time is. It's a rescue mission. It's a love story. The love that you will never get here in this world. Because human love fails. Can I get an amen? If you're sitting right next to your spouse, don't say anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to start anything here. <laughs> human love fails. No matter how hard we try. And sometimes it's because we love them so much we become suffocating. 
we become, we suffocate. The parents suffocate the children, right? I don't want you to get too old, too fast, too soon, move out. No. I only have one baby. I only have two babies. I only have three babies. That's Filipinos for you. I'll build, a ho- I'll build, a- I'll build you a house right next to my house so that I always see you. But even that fails. No matter how romantic or how noble that may sound, human love fails. But God's love for us, it cost Him to give His Son as a sacrifice to the people that sinned against Him. That's what Christmas is. That should be our focus this Christmas time. Okay, fine. Go to your Christmas parties. Enjoy it. Enjoy your turkey. Sing your reindeer songs. Remember all of them. Don't forget them now. But do not forget why Christmas is about Christ. And that Christ is the reason, real reason, for Christmas. I have, I have something here. It says, my notes here says, share the story with you and Alonzo. Is Alonzo here? I hear you, sorry. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't ask for your permission. We'll just have a talk later. <laughs> there was a time where Alonzo asked me, and we're still talking about John 1, 14, okay? Jesus is the word, right? He was the word in the beginning, right? Alonzo asked me, why I believe in God, and how am I so sure that He is real? Now, <laughs> now if we're going to be honest, right? And I know a couple of people here have given me questions given by other people other their, of, from their other friends asking almost the same question. But we have to know that there is no watertight explanation about our faith. There's no watertight explanation. There's, there isn't. I mean, you can try. I've tried. Maybe you'll do a better job. But still, somebody, a smarter guy than you, smarter person than you, maybe that taken philosophy, you know, will tell you, you're just telling me about your cognitive explanation, which is not right. It's like matrix, right? But there's no watertight explanation about our faith. But there is a watertight person. There is a watertight person that explains our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. If people will tell you, how do you know Trinity is real, and you get stumped, just say, well, you know what, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus was born. Jesus lived. Jesus was crucified. Jesus resurrected. Now, if you can disprove that, then you don't have to listen to me. That's your watertight person. Not an explanation. Watertight person. They have to disprove Jesus. No other faith claims this. No other faith, no other religion claims that God became man. No other faith claims that. No other faith dares to say that the God of the universe came to here and became flesh and, got, and, and sacrificed himself on the cross. That bled. No other faith claims that. Only Christianity claims that. Only Jesus claimed that He is God. Now, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to all of us now? Now, all of us, I know we've all accepted Christ, right? We've all accepted Christ. Most of us here, I'm looking around the room. Yes? Yeah. 
We know that we're going to go to heaven because it's not of our good works, but because of what Christ has done. Yes, but then you have to ask the question, what does that mean to me now then? Now that I'm still here. You know, if Christ is real in your life, then you need to be living for Him. Right? If, if you became a citizen of this country, you have to follow the rules and the law that this country has. I mean, yes, you can, you can probably have debates because this country is so great that they even opened that up. Like, yeah, fine, we'll give you freedom of speech. <laughs> right? That's why I love about the, this, this country. You have the freedom of speech and not get shot. In the Philippines, you, you watch it. Even though you're the vice president, you'll get, you're in trouble. You argue with the president. God was revealed as the Word. He's the Logos. He's the real meaning. He's the reason of life. Now, if Jesus is the reason of your life, you have to question yourself as a Christian. Am I living for Him? Or am I living for myself? Am I like the innkeeper? I'm all about the bottom line. No more helping people. Yeah, you're going to give birth. I don't have no room. I don't want that blood here by my living room, by my carpet. Folks, we have Christians. You call yourself a Christian. You have to ask, am I living for Jesus? Yes, we're grateful for, for what He has done. We're forever going to be grateful for what He has done for us, as we should be. But we have to always ask ourselves, this Christmas time, since it's about Christ, is my life about Christ? Or is, it, is my life about what I can get from Christ? Is my life about, I mean, look at your prayer life. If you look at your prayer life, there's, there's a story about the family that went to the beach for the summer, right? And, and then the daughter, the daughter, the older daughter, she was like eight, and her brother Johnny was four. Let's name her Sue. Because I know we don't have any Susan here. Sue, look, looking at the beach, because they, they read at a beach house, they were looking at the beach and the water. And she goes, Daddy, I can't wait to go out there. I can't wait to play in the water and play with the birds. And the dad goes, all right, before we, after breakfast, but now pray. Pray for the food. So Sue started praying. Thank you for this beach house. Thank you for the beach. Thank you for the bread. I hope that we have a great day today. I hope that the sun will stay up. I hope that Johnny won't be irritating. I hope my dad will just let me, what I want, uh, let me do what I want. I hope that when I get home, I don't get in trouble. In Jesus' name I pray. So the dad was just listening to this prayer and let them play. Gave bread to Sue and Sue was feeding the birds. And Sue was yelling at her dad, like, Dad, they love me. Look. They're, all the birds, the seagulls were coming. She's like, they really love me. She's like, that Sally feels in that speech, they love me. You really love me. She's just doing it, giving it, giving it. And then when the bread ran out, so did the birds. And then Sue went to her dad and she goes, they were just there for the bread. They really don't like me. Now, folks, we have to ask ourselves, are you just there for the bread? Are you just there for the healing? Are you just there for the blessing? Are you just there for the protection? Are you just there for the girl? Are you just there for the boy? 
Are you living for Christ? I mean, if, if Jesus is real, if, if Jesus is God in the, that became man, right, and he did not consider being equal to God something to exploit, if he didn't take advantage of it, but yet he was okay, he was all about God's purpose for him, to die on the cross for your sins and mine, if he was all about that, nothing about being famous, although he was famous, nothing about being influential, although he had his own influence, Nothing about popularity. Nothing about anything else but to serve God, His Father. At a very young age, He knew what He came for. Remember when He was lost in the temple and His step-parents came and get him, got Him and He said, Don't you know I'm supposed to be about my Father's business? Now, for the believers there, for the believers that are sitting here, how long? How much longer? How much longer will you live for yourself rather than for God? Next Christmas? Next New Year? Remember, we discussed it a couple Sundays ago. Our faith is not a have to. I will do that when I have to. Or had. Or have. I'll, I'll serve God once I have Him. Once I have her. Once I'm retired. Once I think I'm done with the world. John 1, 14. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ came as a shining beacon of both grace and truth. Folks, let's not twist Jesus for something else, okay? God is just not about God of love. God is also about God of truth. Okay, will somebody say amen to that? Because our country, our society is all about love now. Oh, I love him. And it doesn't matter if he's not a Christian. Doesn't matter if, if I'm gonna commit this premarital sex outside marriage because I love him and God's about love. Doesn't matter if I'm sinning, he still loves me. You know, that's true. He still loves you, but he's also a God of truth. That he tells you that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you will be accounted for. Your actions are accounted, all our actions are accounted for. There's consequences to the sins that we've committed. You know, it's been paid for, the, the eternal consequence has been paid for, but the now, the here and now, there's consequences. Can we just agree to that? That's fine. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. You do. But when Jesus saved you, when he died on the cross for us, he didn't give us the freedom so we can sin. He gave us the freedom from the power of sin so that we can live a holy life. So we can live for Him. So we can bring people to Christ through our lives. We should all be wearing this shirt. If we're a Christian, we should all buy this shirt and wear this on New Year. And it says, share Jesus. Use words if you have to. Share Jesus. Use words if you have to. I don't know if I really want to wear that when I'm driving. 
Christ came as a shining beacon of both grace and truth. He didn't opt for one or the other, but displayed both in every action he took. Now, okay, I have, I have the quote from Tim Keller. This is from his book, The Meaning of Marriage. There you go. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are, and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves Repent. A conviction and repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and grace. Love without truth is you're just being sentimental. But truth without love, you're being harsh. You have to be both. For the parents, we know how to balance that, I hope. <laughs> right? I hope parents, we know how to balance love and truth. It just can't be all love because then we're raising spoiled brats. And we can't be too firm. can't be all about truth or else we're going to lose them. It has to be both. Just like when Jesus met that, that woman that committed adultery. It was caught in adultery, right? They asked, what should we do? She was caught in adultery. And he said, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. He gave the sentence of truth because that's what the truth is. Anybody that was, that was caught in adultery must be stoned to death during that time. It was written down in, in Leviticus. But then he said that nobody threw a stone. Everybody walked away. He asked the adulteress, did anybody condemn you? I said, no one did. And then he said, neither will I. Go and sin no more. You see? Jesus didn't say, come back here you know, after your next one. No. Jesus said, go and sin no more. We are the bride of Christ. That's why we brought up the marriage part. We are the bride of Christ. He came. He sacrificed himself. He constantly sacrifices for the church. He constantly makes that sacrifice for us. How do you want to be in a relationship that it's never returned? That you're always giving and the other party's just taking. How do you like that marriage? Don't raise your hand if you have one like that, right? If the person is just taking, what kind of relationship is that? They're only talking to you when they want something. What kind of marriage is that? I, I, I tell you, none of us like it, right? I think we'll have a 100% consensus there. Unless there will be, anyway, there will always be one. I'll be the martyr. Like, I believe in Santa. So yeah, 99. We are the bride of Christ. And in order for us to be his bride, he had to give the ultimate show or expression of love that anyone can give, which is to give his life. The husbands, that is, we're told to love our wives just like Christ loved the church. We're not told to boss our wives like Christ bosses the church. 
No, because Jesus doesn't boss the church. Jesus is the head of the church, but Jesus loves the church. Sacrificial love. Servant, leader. Husbands, are you listening to me? <laughs> I'm saying this with pain. I'll be crying in a few seconds here. We have to be servant leaders. We have to love our, our, our wives just like Christ loved the church. And Jesus always loves us that way. Sacrificial love. Jesus came into the world to be flesh, to be a man. He felt it. He felt every single whip that was, and he felt those slaps that was thrown his way. He felt the punches. Those people that were spitting on him, he felt it. I mean, I only have a few seconds, but I don't know what you're going through right now. Some of you I do. There's some unanswered prayers, right? There's some, there's some needs there. But you know, are you ready to not for your prayers not to be answered too? Because you know, Christ's prayers weren't answered. There was one prayer that Christ prayed that wasn't answered. That was on His way to the cross. Do you remember that? We said, Lord, if there's any other way that we can save the world except me going to the cross, let that come. Right? Let that happen. But then what did He say? But let not my will be done, but yours be done. But that was an un that was one unanswered prayer. Do you feel betrayed? Well, Jesus had Judas. He was betrayed with a kiss. His friends ran away. The apostles, the disciples ran away. They scattered. They were scared when he finally got caught. Do you feel alone? Well, so did Jesus. Jesus felt lonely. Are you facing death? Well, Jesus did. So everything that we feel or are feeling or I went through, Jesus went through it. He went, he went through those pains. He was flesh. He was soft. He felt it. So that payment, that crucifixion, He felt everything for you and for me. First John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifested to us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. We relate or align Christmas with time, you know, with, with time with family or time off from work, the happy feeling behind it, or the Christmas carols that gives us the happy and wonderful memories. We align it with the gifts that we receive or we give. Even coming to church for Christmas time or the Advent, somehow we want that because we feel that it completes the experience. But that is not the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is when God showed His love to us. The God of the universe to an undeserving people. We are one of the most ungrateful creations that God has ever made. 
We are. You know, I used to never like dogs. I just saw them as tools. <laughs> I'm looking at Deborah. I'm like, got to be careful. Deborah's going to kill me on her way to Jordan. Um, I just saw them as, as tools, security alarm system in the Philippines. Because we, you know, back in the day, security alarm system was not in existed. The dogs will bark so that people will know somebody's there. That's how we treated dogs in the Philippines. They stayed outside. Shower? <laughs> when I came here, Americans love dogs. <laughs> My friend at Reno High was crying because his, his dog's arm broke and he was devastated. And I was just like, what? You're so weird. Americans are so weird. But then now, they make me, well, we, <laughs> they make me cry now. They make me cry. You know, I was out, as I was finishing up my message today, one of my dogs, one of our dogs had an accident in the house. In the house. It's the worst thing. And you know who's guilty, right? If you have dogs, you know what I'm talking about. They look guilty. Because we have two dogs, and I just looked at Spy. You know, my, what I had, we have a dog who has one eye. So that alone is already looking guilty, right? He's like, first suspect, usual suspect, Spy. So Libby, my other dog, Gianna's dog, was just sleeping, like innocently sleeping. Spy was just like in the corner, like, did he see it? <laughs> but, you know, I punished him. I took him outside. I yelled at him. And then I let him in after five minutes. He came right next to my leg. It's just almost saying sorry to me. But you know, men, us men, we sin against God. Something happens to us. We blame it on God right quick. Right? We said, well, this is an act of God. The earthquake. 9.9. God is so unmerciful. But then when things are going well with us, blessings are coming in. We're like, huh. Because, you know, I finished college, got my master's degree. You know. I'm good. <laughs> no God there. I don't need God. Why do I need God? I have money. But then when things happen, like, oh, my daughter died. My son died. That's God's fault. But blessings, we don't. Blessings is us. Good things are us. Tragedies are God's fault. Folks, Christmas time, Christmas time is when God showed His love to us. That is the real meaning of Christmas. May we never forget that. May we always have room in our hearts. May we always have room with our lives, no matter how busy your calendar and your schedule is. May you always have time for Him. This Christmas time, as you're preparing your Christmas list, or as you're completing your Christmas list, thank God, for He is the one that gave you the strength to work, to have that business. Thank Him, for He was the one that gave you your children that you have someone to give those gifts to and get a card in return. Hopefully, for the parents, right? <laughs> 
Folks, let's not miss it. Let's not fall into the trap of this commercialized holiday. Let's focus that it is because God loved us and He wanted us to be restored to Him and be reconciled with Him. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your message. I hope that we heard you. Father, may you be real to us this season. May the real meaning of Christmas be ingrained in our hearts and our minds. That we cannot help but to live it out. Open our eyes wider than ever before to the beauty of your love. To the beauty of that sacrifice that you've done for us. Soften our hearts, Lord God, and let it not be trapped into Satan's disturbance. Give us ears that hear the whispers of your voice during good times. And let us not be proud, Lord God, to run to you during bad times. May your restoration continue and your kingdom come in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our church, in our community, in our world, just as it is in heaven. May we live with excited anticipation throughout this season and beyond. Grant that we would enter into the story and the blessing of the Christ child more fully each, each day. Father, may we not take your love for granted. May we live for you. In your son's mighty name we pray. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.